is all about the opposite of what you just described. So 50 years, 100 years ago, you had the the robber barons in the original industrial era, you know, the steam and, and that kind of thing. Well, the guys who, uh, the guys, the people who made money were, were very high level, right? And then there's everybody else who worked below you and everybody who worked below you was just task oriented. They, they operated a machine, right? Or they made widgets and your job was to make widgets as fast as you could and you were rewarded thusly, but there was no design there was no, uh, you know, creating new intentions to produce new businesses to make money, right? I mean, that, you know, the JP Morgans of the world did it. Um, but now we're in the different era. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder, why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Scott Choppin here with me today. He is the CEO and founder of the Urban Pacific Group of Companies, a Long Beach, California-based real estate development company, Founded in 2000 that focuses exclusively on workforce rental housing communities throughout California and the Western U.S. Urban Pacific has created a new housing innovation called the Urban Townhouse, which pairs private capital with middle-income multi-generational rental housing while producing market superior yields on invested equity. Historically, Urban Pacific's UTH projects have delivered 22.66% programmatic IRR yields on equity. If I didn't make your head spin with that, I don't know how. Else. But <laughs> Scott is also uh, married, uh, 27 years and raising three kids down in Long Beach. And we just talked a little bit offline of something that he's doing uh, that we're going to dive into as well. So with that, Scott, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Cody. Appreciate the invite. Well, man, I uh, I had to get this thing started because you and I were about to get down a rabbit hole on some <laughs> things I, I didn't want to lose out on. So, yeah. um, you know, I... I uh, you mentioned this term and it kind of caught my uh, attention. And so you mentioned the term strategic knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so um, can you walk me through what that means to you. So, yeah, like we were talking about really the, the way I orient is like new ways of, of working, of doing business, of careers, like how you think, you know, we talked about, you know, uh, educating kids about, you know, money. And strategic knowledge is really about how to conduct yourself in the in this new domain of using the computers and the internet and technology to coordinate and cooperate more powerfully, both domestically and globally. Right now, computers give us access to you know people around the world, and so what that does is it enhances. In fact, not even enhances. It is a requirement for us to have successful careers, successful businesses, take care of our family, and so that knowledge I study, I call strategic knowledge, but it's really around this use of computers, the internet and technology to be producing ever more powerful offers 
you know, like the, you know, product categories or, you know, what our business produces in, 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 you know, result for our clients to make money, uh, but make money to take care of our families, like our, you know, existentially, like, why do we work? You know, I, and you do too, given what I, we've talked about, you know, we work to take care of our families and, you know, in order to make money effectively, we have to use strategic knowledge effectively, competitively, right. Using, you know, the computers, internet technology. Yeah, I just I, I really love the term um, because for me, like there's certain things that I gravitate towards more, but I think that I've learned, I mean, not just like the school of hard knocks, but I, I know that I have, I have gone out to seek more information and learn more ever since I got out of school. Mm-hmm. Like, and the, I, I've seen a direct result uh, and an impact immediately when I start to read and learn things that it shows up in my life. And so that's why that term strategic knowledge kind of jumped out at me because I think that we need to do this more at home with our kids so that we can have that with a strategy placed behind what we're teaching them. And if we just think about it a little bit, I think it lays it out to, to be very powerful. So, so to add something that you've talked about earlier was intentions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I, and I commented back to you, intentions are everything. And attentions uh, are commitments that you make to yourself to produce results, right? So in other words, uh, strategic knowledge, the strategy and the knowledge that is needed to affect this strategy, all sources from your attentions, right? And so that's important because now in this new era, right? Like we don't have the, like the business structures, like no more do we have, you go to work for a company and you work for 40 years and you get a pension and you retire, like that's all gone. And, you know, during our lifetimes, it's been, you know, disappearing ever more rapidly. Honestly, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I've tried it a couple of times. It doesn't fit my, I don't fit in that box very well. Yeah, I'm I'm right. Yeah, I was, was, you know, I worked corporately for several years in the early parts of my career, but I was like itching to get out, you know, as soon as I could. Yeah, imagine if this was 50 years ago, there was nowhere to go, right? Yeah. So it was very hard to get a barrier to entry to, well, that's, in fact, that's a great point because this, this idea I'm talking about using this knowledge, using computers and the internet and technology is all about the opposite of what you just described. So 50 years, 100 years ago, you had the, the robber barons in the original industrial era, you know, the steam and, and that kind of thing. Well, the guys who, uh, the guys, the people who made money were, were very high level, right? And then there's everybody else who worked below you and everybody who worked below you was just task oriented. They, they operated a machine, right? Or they made widgets and your job was to make widgets as fast as you could and you were rewarded thusly, but there was no design. There was no, uh, you know, creating new intentions to produce new businesses to make money, right? I mean, that, you know, the JP Morgans of the world did it. Um, but now we're in the different era where it's like the exact opposite. In fact, it's in, in, inherent and incumbent on everybody to produce their own strategy, to produce new intentions that are competitive. And if you don't, you're gonna be left behind because you know the, the people that I learned with talk about, hey, look, the person in China or the person in India or wherever around the globe, they're working this way, this, this new way um, using technology. And that's now how you compete, right? Like there's you know, the, the, the idea of you know, borders you know, protecting you um, which for better or worse, like, you know, the, those are like going away, at least in the context of, you know, business practices and how you compete. 
Now that doesn't mean that you don't sell your product locally and domestically. And, you know, we're real estate people. So we're hyper local, right? We build, you know, an X city and X County and X state. It's tough and, to ship that. <laughs> um, but, you know, we can't, you know, somebody from India isn't going to come over and build apartments in California. Now, what they do, what they can do is invest in projects from India to the U S. So we do have yeah. that. So movement of money and, and capital is now, you know, global. So it's just really opening up the, the idea of how you compete and where you compete. And, and just like you talked about, like school is not teaching this. In fact, I would almost say that we're going backwards, right? Like in the context of what we're being taught, right? We're focused on things that aren't resulting in, you know, achieving objectives. You know, well, for like that, to say that, though, that's you know, the, the curriculum hasn't caught up to the, to the world. No, right. No, it was designed. I, it was designed perfect. It was well, designed it was, you know, for, you know, to produce that factory worker. It, 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 our school system is from the first industrial era, right? I mean, we're really still teaching our kids, you know, like the same methodologies when steam trains were the new technology. And, you know, since 1950, if you look at the advancement of computers, like we're like at the most rapidly changing inflection point in human history for the advancement of technology, even you know, using Zoom, like in six months or eight months during the pandemic, I mean, we've moved so rapidly, like I've never seen it before. And part of learning strategic knowledge and understanding fundamentals of how like business and, and biology and human social interaction work allows you to adapt to rapid change because the old way of teaching was like, oh, well, you know, we're going to, you know, assume that the world isn't changing particularly rapidly. And we're going to teach you ways to, to, to conduct yourself in the world, except the world moved on uh, decades ago from that teaching style. And now it's moving so fast that, you know, like you have to be focused on this strategy and intentions and, and computers and the internet to be able to operate effectively. Otherwise you get left behind. Yeah. You know, um, I think about like, uh, <laughs> I remember one time in school, I was asking teachers like, why can't I just use my calculator? And they're like, well, you're not always going to have a calculator with you. And now they're wrong. <laughs> because you've got a phone that does i mean we are, we're attached we're integrating ourselves yeah. with the technology right you know and it's uh it's 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 you know walk out of your house leave your leave your phone in your house for a week see how you yeah. feel right it's yeah. gonna feel one it's gonna probably feel freeing after you get done being terrified of not having your phone but yeah, really you know little. it's it's yeah we're we're not i don't know I, it, it's it's a still to me a lot of it's still a memorization of facts to forget after you take the test right yeah it's um, all you know to take the test and then you know forget the knowledge you know one of the things that you mentioned about it, it, it is that having the capability to use calculators and use google and search frees us up from needing to worry about learning that yeah i mean there's still basic math and you, you know even advanced math that, that could help you but the reality is that's where your design of intentions comes in because now yeah. you've got all these tools they let you do anything, compete anywhere at any time with any marketplace. And now it's up to you to figure out how to compete. And that's where the design comes in because now you gotta go, what can I do to compete? How do I design a business? How do I design an offer, a product, right? Or service to make my, fulfill my financial ambitions. And that's really, it's all about design, right? And intentions, like what do I intend to do? How do I design it? And then how do I affect that, you know, that design or business plan? And that's not taught in school, right? Design in the context that we're talking about of, you know, designing a strategy to affect a plan to execute and create income and take care of your family isn't 
like it's not in school at all. And, no, and I don't. I don't think I've ever. Not really even a mainstream culture, actually. To be honest. Yeah, I've never really had this conversation, but I'm just sitting here. And my wheels are just like spinning because I'm thinking about like how like because I always talk about. I want to teach entrepreneurship. I want to teach you know uh, personal finance, money topics, mindset. I think all this stuff is sorely needed, but I think I've skipped one where it's time management, mm-hmm. right? Like we have access to so much information now and so many opportunities that the ones that are able to a grab one stick with it innovate in that niche you know and then uh and then go forward like i i think that as a sorely underrated skill i think as an entrepreneur especially because we have shiny object syndrome quite a bit <laughs> yeah. uh, you know you can, but the i think the saying is you, if you chase two rabbits you catch none you know right. and That's um right. i just was thinking about that that like time management is probably one of the most necessary needed pieces right now because people are so independent not being told what to do for mm-hmm. work a lot now you know and and also i'd add that they're flooded to your point with information like there's so much so many new ideas so much information that you have to sort of wade through it all and then you know have the the knowledge and the skills to pick out like okay this is this is the right move to make or this is the right business to to work on if you're an entrepreneur, right? Or even the career choice, right? Like, you know, there's certain career choices that won't exist in five years. Um, and, you know, school doesn't talk about that. You know, they're still training people for, you know, the first and second industrial eras, not the fourth industrial, you know, revolution that we're in now. Um, so we're, you know, we're at a unique time. Uh, and it really takes a totally different way of thinking, not intuitive, not common sense, um, not taught in school or in books for the most part. There's people out there that, you know, I can sort of recommend people look for to, to learn from for this, but um, it is com- entirely up to you as a person to like gain the right knowledge in order to be most effective, right? And there's lots of bad choices and then there's a few good choices. I think I think as a, as a serial entrepreneur, my inclination is when I see the wave all going one way, I try to swim against it, right? And so... I see, I, you know, as we're talking through this, we're talking about like, they've got all this information coming and it's overload and some people just shut down or they just, they don't know what to do or they go with it. And like, what I see then is I see the people who want to have that intentionality, do the strategic knowledge that we talked about earlier are going to have massive advantages mm-hmm. because you can learn what you want to learn. But I think that there's going to be a lot of people that just get frozen in the onslaught of the information that's there and they just don't ever get they go they go an inch you know an inch deep and a mile wide instead yeah. of a mile deep and an inch you know what i mean or right. mi- yeah an inch wide a mile deep so i think that it creates a lot of opportunity for our kids if we're doing things like you know these kind of discussions on podcasts and we're listening we have intentional listening and intentional strategic knowledge um that there that creates a bigger opportunity uh, because it's almost like when everybody has the opportunity, nobody has the opportunity, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I would and agree. So, yeah, I, I think the opportunities are are massive and more than we've ever had in history. But it takes, you know, a, a certain degree of knowledge and thinking and networks in order to exploit that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, uh, well, you mentioned something there, um, you know, that uh, not just the knowledge, but the experiences too, right? And so if we can bring these concepts into kids younger than they, then we have obtained them. And, you know, just talking with you, I know that like you're outgoing to obtain this stuff now, but I mean, imagine if 16 year old Scott was, a, was getting this information. Right. 
And, uh, and so yeah. I, I wanted to kind of bring that back too to something you told me that you're doing with your kids. And so uh, what, tell, me, tell me how you're teaching them. Yeah, no, great question. And, and you, what you said just a second ago is exactly right. In fact, my, my general statement to them is my job is to teach them to advance them more quickly than it took me to learn. Like I'm, I'm still learning stuff. I'll, I'll be you know, 54 later this year. And you're exactly right. I go, dude, if I had been 20 year old, you know, 20 years old and know this. Now the question is, does 16 or 20 year old, like, are they, you know, are they developed mentally and, and you know, biologically mature enough to, to get that? I read some, some article that somebody was saying that the brain reaches its final stage of maturity at 31. Yeah, and I, never I heard seen frontal cortex at 26, I think is what I heard. Where yeah, you actually so, start making really good decisions, yeah. Yeah, like the, like <laughs> it's like sort of the last phase of, you know, of, of your brain development. And, and in fact, this article uh, <clears throat> correlated non-scientifically that the average age of somebody going out to be an entrepreneur is, you know, 31, 32, right? And that they least made the connection. I don't think there was any uh, evidence-based, you know, um, uh, related to that, but that was, you know, speculation on their part. And I, I could see it, right. Um, that you would do that. So what, what I do with my kids is exactly that. I I'm like, I am combing the internet, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, I digest social media, I digest YouTube and, you know, it is a, it is a process to really sort of ignore all the, you know, the fire hose of information and try to pick out the good stuff. And so really the, the way that I do that is I really look for people that don't have an agenda to what yeah. they're speaking, right? So, you know, the, the famous one I always use, the people who are trying to sell gold always say that the world's in, coming to an end in, you know, a month or, you know, the market's going to crash, right? It's always going to crash for the gold people. And, you know, not a, gold's not a bad investment. And you could, you know, argue about its store of value um, it being advantageous in this time that we're looking forward to inflation likely to be the case. I get, um, I don't know if you get these, but I get these guys that uh, will hit me up uh, for crypto stuff. Like there's crypto knowledge yeah. and it's always like, I made, what are they? It's like, I made a hundred percent back on my money in, uh, in, in this week. And I do it every week consistently and I can yeah. teach you how to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> so I, I usually, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a story about a kid that, um, that gets a piece of grain. Like they offer him like a million pieces of grain. And, and he doesn't that. take it and he gets one piece of grain, but it doubles every day. And he comes back to the king. And at the end of the 31 days, I think it's something close to like 14 million because of mm -hmm. compound interest. Yeah, right. right. And I'm like, yeah. why are you trying to sell me a $200 course on crypto? When yeah. if you put $100 in, you'll have trillions by the end of the year, buddy. That's like, right. <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if your logic of the upside is really true, then yeah. I should invest the 200 in your course. I should put it in the Bitcoin or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I look for is sources of information on the internet and in books and articles that I read that I can trust through my own criteria and standards. And what that basically is that people don't have a hidden agenda or they don't have even an overt agenda, right? They're not trying to sell something. And so sort of pare those down <clears throat> and then start to take the new ideas that I find from these people. And then that's really what I talk to my kids about now. First and foremost, I, I work. I have three kids. Uh, my two oldest are uh, uh, boys, and my daughter. I want to integrate her into this learning process. You know, when she gets to that point, you know, she's 13 now, so I think we got a year or two more. 
Um, uh, but basically it's around the strategic knowledge concept that we've been talking about, right? So to learn fundamental knowledge that underpins all business, many, if not all social, um, biological, right? If we think about everything that, you know, because business is really human business, right? Mm -hmm. We don't, we, we say we do business with companies or we buy product from this or that, but it's really, we're buying from groups of human beings that have assembled to like to produce that, you know, result or product or whatever, right? And so when you think about that, then biology and social and business all sort of interweave, right? And so I've started basically in that domain and, you know, I have certain people that I study with um, that I, I, you know, the boys don't go with me to those, although they've gone to a couple, you know, different learning uh, sessions, but it's all about this fundamental knowledge. And then it's also about the fourth industrial revolution, computers, the internet and technology. And then we haven't gotten there yet, but eventually we're going to get into design. Now I'm talking about pragmatic stuff too, right? Like you mentioned before we started the interview about, about just the, you know, the idea of investing and compounding. Right. And I tell them like, look, you invest a certain amount now and then you dollar cost average in this investment vehicle, that investment vehicle. And you don't have to work for tremendously hard if you start when you're 16 or 18 years yeah. old. If you, you know, if you make generally smart investment decisions and don't get too aggressive or too conservative, right? And let compounding do its thing, you know, you back to our our discussion is uh there was a study that was produced that, you know, it was a, uh, a, like a, they asked people when they would like to have retired, if they could choose the year of their retirement. And the average came in, you know, with enough money to never have to work again, was 45 years old. And, that, and so that's sort of the, the, the idea that I've set up with them is like, what I want to do is teach you what I know now and everything I've learned from now, from beginning of my business career, what I learned when I was young, uh, get all that to them early because I didn't get that. And I love my parents dearly, but I just, this was not conversations that we had. And so like took, you know, my wife and I, we, we spent years learning this stuff. In fact, we still talk about it go, gosh, we wish we could have done so. We're doing that for our kids, right? Early, uh, you know, strategic knowledge, financial knowledge, investing, learning, even the idea of competitive learning practices, right? Like in school, we talk, you know, you learn what the teacher's curriculum is, which is, you know, sort of old technology um, and you learn to pass the test. But now you go, competitive learning practices are learning to remember and have knowledge at hand, mm -hmm. have the right knowledge, right? The strategic, effective, competitive, learning to compete, right? I think there's a little a lost in our society in America is we don't know how to compete anymore, right? We're, we're a nation of people who want, for the most part, and I'm generalizing stuff to be given to us. And I don't think any entrepreneur who's been through any, you know, like tough times as an entrepreneur or had success, like thinks that way, like it's all about objectives and results. And, you know, you got to work on stuff that's going to create real results or it's a waste of time. So, you know, learning competitively, right? Like you mentioned, oh, I started learning after school. That's exactly what I tell my boys. I go, when you're done with college, then my teaching will really start in earnest. Um, and it's to prepare your, you for your, you know, your business or career or whatever and you endeavors you choose for yourself, whatever intentions you have for your future. Um, and, you know, like, you know, now, now a big part of my, you know, taking care of myself physically and, you know, when I'm producing in business and, and you know, uh, returns and profits and investments, 
is to keep myself alive as long as I can to, to help my kids. Yeah. Um, that's really become an existential purpose for me is to pass on some financial legacy, but predominantly a knowledge legacy, strategic knowledge legacy. And that, you know, really my main existential purpose for the rest of my life is to, to help my kids be as successful as they can be given, you know, what the environment and the culture and the, you know, economic cycle is. So as an entrepreneur, you know, um, I think most entrepreneurs I've talked to and, and talked to a lot of them, <laughs> uh, but I think that there's part of that kind of like underdog, you got to fight through it to really want it to make it work type of deal. And I kind of struggle with how do I balance that when my kids get to that point? Right? Like they want you because you've got to have some fight in there to get it to, to, I feel like to get it to be powerful enough to, that you can make the business succeed when the down days, Yeah, because you know? there's up days and down days, you know, Amen. it's not, it's not straightforward. But, you know, but also giving them the advantages that I'm going to be able to give them, yeah. you know, and I, and I think about that because I'm not there yet because mine are nine and six. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're, you've kind of got the, the next level out there where they're, I think they're, you know, like uh, late teens, right? Yeah. They yeah, had the yeah. two old ones, 16 and 19. 16 and 19. And so Actually, how, how do you think, how do you think about that? Like, how do you think of the enough to give them, but enough to, they earn it also. Is that, I don't know yeah. how else to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get you. Yeah. So, so the, it is, it is an art and I don't, I'm with you. I don't, I don't have it perfected. Um, you know, I, I very much talk about in terms of that they, that future is one that they need to design for themselves. Like, like I, you know, and, and you know, like parents today, you know, we do a lot more like interacting with our kids to, help them, you know, get good grades and get into the right college and do all the things that, that people do and, and parenting and, and, you know, Gen, like all my kids are Gen Z. So just to, you know, like uh, act appropriately or like think about them in the context of their demographic and where they are in their age. Um, so, and, and that's where it comes back to design. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do. I can help you. I can help you think about careers. I'll, I'll, I'll offer help and networks. Like, you know, my oldest is, He's at USC, University of Southern California, in their real estate development program. So at least he's got an intention of moving that direction. But he also expresses that, like, maybe I'm not going to do exactly what you do. Maybe I become an investor and not a developer. And I go, great. So I, but I tell him, look, you have to think about that. And then you have to think about that extended in time, right? How does that work? Is that going to be a vehicle for your success? Um, you know, can I be of help? And if I can't be, then who can help you? So there's multiple facets around it. So that's one of like, like, like uh, the terminology I use is colonizing the future, right? Like you start planning and doing things now to set up, you know, the future uh, knowledge and assets, money compounding is colonizing the future, right? Like you're investing $50 today to be, you know, 5,000 in the future. That's a version of colonizing the future. So that's, one way to think about it, like, again, back to design, but you, your own intentions, your own design, nobody's going to do it for you, right? And then that's the other where I go is like, look, you guys are like, you're going to have to do it for yourselves. I mean, it's very blunt. But the reality I told them is like, no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to, 
you know, pluck you out of your situation and, you know, give you money and like create a successful business for you that, that, I mean, it happens and we see it in the media. Somebody won the lottery or, you know, the guy bought Bitcoin when it was one cent and he's worth, you know, you know, hundreds of millions. I mean, that stuff happens, but we, we can't design for that, right? We can't, can't design bank on that. <laughs> for that, like no magic, right? There's no, like, you know, it's just realities operations or certain principles, laws and mechanics, you know, economics are economics, right? We don't change that. We have to operate with inside, inside of it and do it powerfully, right? Like in powerfully, I mean, effectively. So you produce results, right? Like that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm not to the, I'm not to the fight part yet, but I, I'm totally with you. I mean, you know, like I've been an entrepreneur in real estate development for now 21 years will be, you know, this March will be 21 yeah, years. So you've been through 2000 California. Yeah, we you've went through, through 08. You've been through, you know, 2020. I, yeah, yeah, 2020. <laughs> no, through it now. <laughs> yeah. And really for me, 2008, you know, that was, that was a real estate centric recession. And yeah, all was, I had four real estate based companies in South Florida. Like, it, yeah. It, it, it was, it, yeah, I was on the opposite side of that Bitcoin uh, yeah. trade, you know, like, so it was, uh, <laughs> I bought know, the Bitcoin was, for a, for $30,000. And it went to a penny like that. I was on the flip oh, side. Of that yeah, one, yeah, you know? right. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, and so part of it is, you know, I, I try not to get hung up on this, you know, do what you love thing, because I'm, I'm not really like, I don't, that's not an end all be all. I do say, look, you have to be passionate about what you're choosing as your career, your business, because you need to be able to sustain through the times when you're getting the shit kicked out of you. I mean, to be real blunt about it, you need to be able to, like, I love real estate development. Uh, it's the most challenging thing that I can think of that, that I know how to do and I love. And still daily, it's like just getting chewed up. And you know, I mean, I don't want to scare people away from the idea of like, you know, being an entrepreneur or being in real estate development. And, but you, you just said it, like, you got to be able to get like kicked in the teeth and pick yourself and keep going. Resiliency and, is the word that comes up in my conversations oh, with people that have had success. Like being resilient is almost like it's a mandatory trait of people that, right. to get to That's success. Right. So one of the things to, to offer in that is really like one of the things I love in, in talking about kids and, and growing up is, is to challenge kids in any way that we can. And one of the ways that I've seen it is competitive sports. Mm -hmm. like, so my oldest uh, played water polo through throughout junior high and high school. And to me, it was a great, I didn't teach it. He just went through it. Like I, you know, he, my mom, his mom and I, you know, uh, facilitated his, his being able to do that. But nothing like losing and figuring out how to like pick it up and keep it going and getting destroyed and, and beat, right? No one likes that. But to be able to go through it and know that you get out the other end and it, it, for a while, it'll, it'll be terrible, and, but it won't last forever. This, this bad mood you're in won't last forever, right? If you're having negative feelings, it's just in this moment now, but like think about it in 10 minutes or, or 10 hours or 10 days like it won't last forever. So like I, I, we haven't done a lot of work on it lately, but you know, mood management, right? Like just knowing that fundamentally this feeling I have won't last forever. True in entrepreneurship. I remember in 2008, um, driving myself home from the office every day, just like worried sick about how I was going to sustain the business, how I was going to take care of my family, I was going to pay the mortgage. And it literally came down to like, I had two or three songs that I would play on my, you know, like I had a, you know, iPhone, iTunes. Um, one was a, happened to be a Led Zeppelin song, you know, 
that I could listen to that song and I would say things to myself to be able to just get through that mood at the time. And I wasn't like, you know, no, nothing like no self-harm in there, but just like totally not knowing what the next thing was going to you know be and how it's like it's like atlas right it's kind of what it's just like somebody just sticks that big earth on your back and it's just like oh man yeah you're just you're done like and then you don't and you're like what's crazy is i know exactly what you're talking about because then like 20 30 minutes later it could be completely gone right well and and so there's exactly right so there's this sort of like moods won't last forever this feeling you have is just that this is where the whole false evidence appearing real fear really it was really it's like a, a, a mantra of mine um and then then the other one thing i came up with is um you know uh action extinguishes fear right mm-hmm. like a lot of times people will get into these moods and suffer including myself and not know a way out but to take action any little action make a phone call you know uh do something to like advance you know towards a solution even if it doesn't look like it's the end all be all because that's what happens when people are in those moods they want it just all go away please i don't want to feel this way anymore i just want it to go away and it doesn't work that way i mean the feelings will fade as you take action or time you know expires like you get through time and you'll get new knowledge and new information and you know particularly networks are very powerful so there's, you know, action extinguishes fear. And then the third one I'd offer is that, dude, there's nothing like reaching out to people and asking for help in whatever way. Now, in a downturn, the natural thing is to, you know, see how you can uh, get help for, for money. Hey, I need to pay this. I need to do that. Right. And that can be available too. But just the idea of like talking through, hey, here's the situation I'm dealing with. What, you know, you've been through it. What do you have? Right. So powerful networks of health of people that will you know help you um and you need to help them back right there's got to be a value valuable transaction both ways and maybe it's help in the future like look i i, well, we, this I, help I, now. Well, I talk about that and i think about um like the the bank account right like you help this is what's this one of the most fundamental pieces to my success in my life has been i help people with zero expectations of return right that's right and I never know when I need to reach back out to them, but mm-hmm. I've built that up to yeah. where if I need to, they're more than happy to help me and yeah. get me through something or advise me or help me or because I've, I just, you know, and I, and I think that's a very powerful strategy to Great. life is that you keep putting these little, you know, these little pieces out there and then yeah. sometimes you need to collect back and it's, it's yeah, and so- you know. So I call that building obligation is the terminology is like you're, you're helping somebody and not that it's a hard obligation, like you shall, but it's like people, if they're the right kind of human beings, when, when you help them, if they're the right self, they'll want to help you back. Maybe it's not now, maybe it's later, but they'll remember it. They'll go, Oh yeah, he, Cody helped me. And I like, I gotta, they like, they feel honored and you know, obligated in a positive way to help back, right? So there's yeah. one. And two, the other way I think of it is help is money, right? I don't mean currency like dollar bills, but help is like money and that you trade it and, hey, I'm going to help you and, and you help me back. So it's it's a it's a vehicle tr- a transaction. It can turn into currency, right? In fact, the most valuable currency generation is from powerful help given right? Like Bill Gates, you know, gave powerful help in the computer world presenting, you know, the DOS program that was 
valuable help for people and they paid 50 bucks or whatever the software costs in those days. It just happened to be helpful to a huge sector of the economy and the population such, such that he became a billionaire. Yeah. But that software was his version of help that people were willing to pay for, right? So I always orient that way. Like what help is my real estate projects? Like our specific type of housing is workforce housing. We're helping working families. We're helping multi-generational families. And it has a profit return component to it. But ultimately that help is what we are delivering, not the, you know, not the housing per se, although that is the physical form of the help, right? Yeah. That's, that's, earlier, I called that a philosophy of care, right? It's having an orientation around helping people to take care of their concerns, whatever is important to them. I help with that, right? In fact, the most powerful offers of help are directly helping that person's, you know, concern at the moment. And I don't mean concern like worry. I mean, concern like I care about paying my mortgage. I care about, you know, paying the bills for take care of my family, take care of, you know, ha having my kids eat, right? Those are concerns, things I act for this, you know, act for the sake of, right? Well, if you think about it, you're solving, you're solving problems, right? And the bigger the problems that you can solve, the bigger the reward monetarily. That's right. right? right. Yeah. And so, but even though, but it, you don't need to hit home runs all the time. You, you, you need to build a base of little helps. Uh, right? right. And so yeah. you build that, that's almost like building a house, man. Put it on a good foundation. It's a lot of problems go away. You know? Yeah. You right. start from the you start from the uh, the bells and whistles and work your way out, right? Like it's gonna be it's probably not gonna be that great if you put it on a sandy bottom. So agreed. Yeah. <laughs> That's Listen, exactly. man, Scott, I appreciate uh, that kind of deep dive in there. I mean, we didn't even really get into workforce housing and real estate and all that stuff, but I just yeah. really I was really enjoying the conversation. No, I love it. And, yeah, and I don't get the you, I don't get a know. chance to talk about this enough, Trevor. So this is great. Yeah. So talking about I mean, I, I, talking about thinking and 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 purpose and you know, being strategic and what we're learning and how to pass that on. Like, I think that those to me, those are more powerful than the, than the nuts and bolts of how to build something or how That's to right. do those things, because everything that we do comes out of that, I, that where that mindset starts at. That's and, right. And, you know, I had someone recently say, Hey, you know, I, I, my, my he said, my family grew up. If someone made a hundred thousand dollars a year, He's like, uh, he's like, they, he's like, we, we saw them as the 1%. Those are the rich people. And he goes, right. now he goes, I hang out with people. If they don't make a hundred grand a month, they're disappointed. <laughs> and I was like, so I was talking to him and I said, well, I said, you know, he goes, my mindset has completely shifted on everything because of who yeah. I talked to. And I said, you know, the funny thing is, is that the world didn't change. Right. Yeah. Just the way you looked at it did. That's right. Right. Yeah. And so if we can control that, then, and we can, you know, I think about how in the last like 50 years, there's been, for me, there's been this opportunity to like, to learn about abundance and creation and those kind of things. And that wasn't in my household when I was a kid. Um, but I think about if, if we've gotten into that and we're pushing this back to our kids, like what, what is their thing? What's past abundance? Like, I don't, I don't even know because we're reprogramming yeah. our brains, right? And right. so they're, if they've got the programming, right, they're not getting reprogrammed. Like what, I, I just can't- Yeah, they'll, they'll advance to. beyond us. Right? Yeah. Like you and I figured out, you know, a little bit later about abundance. I'm the same. I didn't have that in my household. And again, yeah. I love my parents, but this is just something I observed. And you go, and, you know, I mean, advancing not only in, in you know, fundamental knowledge, right? Um, but, you know, moods, 
um you know the more i know about the way you think produces what comes out exactly they're getting this base in there already on the thinking part i'm like man i can't yeah all all action comes from thinking first right like you know it's like uh I studied with a group called Aji Network and Toby Hecht is the head of that. He has this great thing about intentions and thinking is it's not like you drive someplace on accident. Like you just don't go, oh, I didn't think, I didn't think to drive to the grocery <laughs> store. How did that happen? Holy, holy cow, that just magically appeared. No, you gotta, you know, get your keys and walk out the front door and you start the hungry. car. And, you know, people may do it, people may <laughs> do it mindlessly. It's not yeah. like you don't like sort of space out on the drive home or drive to the store. But you didn't just like magically appear at the, at the grocery store and go, yeah. oh, I didn't even think to do that, right? So that's the intention and the thought and the action that leads to the action. Yeah. And so I, what, what, what I think would, uh, a big part of that is, is, is where do you want to go? Because that's what you got to figure out first. How to that's get right. there is, I think how to get there is the easier part um, because right. there's and, other and people that have paved the roads before you if you just follow the right paths, right? You follow yeah. the right people. Yeah, and exa- in fact, what I was saying, you, you said it beautifully, which is like, you know, you had to have the intention to go to the store, right? right. Like there's no reaching the objective that you didn't pick what it was going to be, right? But I do feel like that a lot of times though, we are just driving around, yeah. right? Until you have that realization, you are just driving around and yeah. you're not going to get to the store because you didn't know that that's where you well, wanted to go. Well, that's part of the right? knowledge, right? Is to yeah. know not to do that or to at least be conscious and notice that that's happening and go, oh, don't do that. Stephen, right. Co- like, yeah. Stephen Covey said it beautifully. He said, begin with the end in mind. Right. That's right. right? <laughs> yeah, and so, exactly. yeah. uh, Scott, man, this has been awesome, man. I really enjoyed this conversation, um, but we've got to cut it off here. And so yeah, um, we'll, <laughs> we'll we, talk we, forever. We, probably. Oh, hopefully we can still do the, uh, the high impact series, but I want to say thank yeah. you so much, man, for coming on with me, um, sharing uh, your vision and the way that you're thinking about things with your kids and stuff, man, it's really been uh, encouraging for me. I always tell you, like, I get, I tell you before we do this, like I get more out of these conversations than I, I didn't even know if it gets out in the podcast world that what I get out of it. And I just really enjoy the conversation. So thank you. Likewise, glad to be here and and love to share and, you know, also hear, you know, I learned too. So thank you for that. Awesome, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers Community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at The Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kids financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker